Hey, good morning, everybody. Man, I wish, uh, I wish our summer would start looking more like summer. How about you guys? Oh, man. Not hot enough. It's never hot enough for me. Oh, man. And the air quality, did anybody, like, I, I've been trying to figure out in the last week, is this a psychosomatic thing? No, it's a thing from Canada. No, I, I know. But I, I'm just saying, like, I was sort of wondering, like, when I walked outside, because I knew that, I was kind of wondering, like, am I just imagining that I can't breathe now because I know about the, the fire, or is it, like, really, like, making me struggle? I definitely had some struggle. Brandy was feeling it, too, so if you felt that way, like, you're normal, I think. At, at, least, at least most of us, right? Um, so, good morning. It's so good to be with you guys. It's a smaller crowd today, but I, here's what I really believe. I believe that the Lord has everybody here who He intended to be here today. I just believe that. And I believe that he's got something for us as we journey through this book of Acts. We're continuing in this series called Empowered. And um, man, isn't it, isn't it awesome to, to think that God created this thing called the church? And that's all of us here. Uh, the church is people. And he, he entrusts his Holy Spirit to us. And he wants to put us on mission. That's exciting, right? That gives us so much purpose, and, and, and we, should, we should always, no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter how hard it is, no matter how frustrating moments are, no matter, I, trust me, I, I have frustrating moments like everybody else, but when I stop and, and I just, I really think about all that God wants to do, it doesn't really matter what else is going on in my life. Like there is something that's good and purposeful, and he has good intentions towards us, and he's for us. And that helps me in life to, to, to slow down and just recognize that the God of the universe is for us. If you need to hear that today, I'm going to say it one more time. God is for you. It's easier for me to believe that God is for, for someone else than it is for me to believe that God is for me. Anybody else? Like you can look at the people around you and be like, well, I see why God likes them. I have a harder time thinking that he might actually like me. Well, here's good news. He does. He, he, he doesn't just like you, like he loves you with an unfathomable, sacrificial love. So, so whatever you came in here today with, just know, um, wherever you are, whatever you're struggling with, whatever sin you committed yesterday, last night, this morning, or after church, he loves you. He just loves you. You can't make him love you less. So I didn't plan to say any of that, but I just, I just felt like I was supposed to. So um, we are so glad to have you guys here today. Um, here, here's what's so cool about the church. It's a group of people that um, we all, if we had conversations around politics, and we're not going to, but if we had conversations around politics or on any number of subjects, there's a darn good chance that we would have more differences than we'd have similarities in this room on, on all sorts of things. We could argue about intellectual pursuits. We could argue about trivial pursuit. We could argue about all sorts of things, but the beautiful thing about the church is that there is a common denominator that is foundational, that is more important than any of those differences, and it's that we belong to Jesus. That is good news for us, because all the things that we can differ on, those are legitimate things, and we can have legitimate, good conversations around those. We as the church should be having conversations about differences, and we, we should be showing the world that we can differ and not be uh, difficult, right? Um, but, but regardless of what our views are and all those things, Jesus is our foundation. He is our common denominator, and that's what makes the church so unique. He is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so that means that what we have in common will hold out for all eternity. Amen? Amen? Isn't that an awesome thing? I'm encouraged by that. So we're just a few weeks into this series. So if you're, if you're kind of coming in, Steve said this last week, if you're kind of coming in new to this, this is a good time to do it. I think this week is, uh, like, I'm really glad I got Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And I'm glad that Steve had to wrestle with uh, Acts chapter 1. Because it's sort of like, uh, you, you know, the, the buildup in an action movie where you're just like, you, you kind of see like, plot development and character development, and you're like, I feel like there's something more. Steve had to do that part. He had to do that part last week. Uh, but I'm excited because Acts chapter 2 is all about the church. It's about the start of the church. The church did not always exist. The church was created by God for his purposes 
empowered by the Holy Spirit, for him to reflect his glory to the world, for him to reflect his glory through each of us. Each of us is, is a reflection of the glory of God. And that's a big deal. And you all look different and you say things uh, differently and you have different goals and passions. And every single one of those, when you're a Christian, was given to you by your creator because he likes you. He even likes your personality. Isn't that neat? He like created you to be who you are and to bring this gift that you have. Like it's, a, it's, a, it's an honor to be able to be used by God in that way and he likes you. So if you've missed any of the last few weeks, I would really highly encourage you to go back, uh, look on YouTube and look up Edge Aurora. Make sure that you look up Edge Aurora, Illinois, because there's also an Edge Aurora, Colorado. And I'm sure they're a fine community. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, we've had people call us and say, uh, you know, we, th we gave money to your church, but, but I, I feel like the pastors aren't the same. And it's just like, well, they're not. Um, <clears throat> do you want it back? Um, but uh, I'm sure Edge Aurora in Colorado is a wonderful community, but it's too far for you guys to get to on a Sunday. Um, so you're stuck with us. Okay. And we're glad for that. We're glad. Um, the passage we're looking at today, as I said, is Acts chapter two, verses one through 13. <clears throat> I believe the, the, basically these first 13 verses show, um, that the, the book of Acts was well named because it's a book of action. It's a book of action. It's filled with action and truth. Um, we believe that the book of Acts, like the rest of the Bible, the whole Bible, thank you. Maybe it's the, maybe it's psychosomatic now. <laughs> what do you think? Your smoke alarm went off too? Okay. Okay, just gonna take a second. Huh? No, I just can't breathe. It's okay. God will say what he wants to say. We believe that the, the book of Acts, just like the rest of the Bible, is not just a history book for us to look back at to see what happened, but it's a book that informs us about what is happening in our midst. We believe that God is alive and active today, and he's the same God, <clears throat> excuse me, the same God from 2,000 years ago. And he exists today, and he wants to move in this place. So in this chapter, God sends this promised gift that he first talked about in the Gospels. In Luke in particular, he talked about this gift, the gift that Jesus said would only come if he left. If Jesus left, he would send this promised gift. And the gift is the Holy Spirit. Um, so before we get into Acts 2, verses 1 through 13, let's just pray. And let's just thank God for his gracious plan. And let's ask him to bring more of it to us today. God, we thank you for loving us enough to create us. We thank you, God, that in your mercy and in your foresight, you decided that you were going to send your son Jesus to this earth to live in a new way and to die for our sins so that we could come back to you. And God, when Jesus rose from the dead, he was on earth for a while, and then he went to heaven, but he didn't leave us alone. You didn't leave us to our own devices, but you sent your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you came. We thank you that you are here right now. I pray that you would give us a greater awareness of your presence, that you'd help us to sense that you are walking beside us, no matter what we feel, that you are walking beside us because your word says it's true. I pray that you would open our eyes to the things that you want us to see today that are new. And I pray that you would open our hands to receive different gifts that you have for us that we've never, ever thought were for us. Lord, I pray that today every person here would take a next step. That, that we would receive the gifts that you have for us and that we would open those gifts and use them for your glory. Yes. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Yes. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 13. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together <clears throat> in one place. Suddenly a, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. 
All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard in their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't, these, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. <laughs> I've always thought that was just hilarious. Either God's doing something or these people have had too much wine. This is not only... <clears throat> Excuse me again. Man. Right now I'm going to just realize that God uses me in my weakness. <clears throat> this is not only <clears throat> a story full of action, but it's a, it's a story... This part of the, the biblical account has created denominations. It has, it has divided denominations. The, the issue of the gifts of the Spirit, specifically speaking in tongues, has been something that has launched denominations and divided denominations. And I love what Pastor Steve talked about last week. One of the things that you said last week that was so good was that there are very, uh, there are uh, orthodox Bible-believing Christians that disagree on things in Scripture. There are certain things in, in Scripture that, that we would contend as a church you actually can't disagree on, okay, and call yourself a church. And I believe that that is Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is the only way to salvation. He's the only way to heaven. Now, lots of people disagree on, on gifts of the Spirit and, and how they operate today, and, and that's okay. I would bet that there's some of you who aren't sure exactly what to do with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I think all of us, if we, if we shared what our experiences with God, experiences with the Holy Spirit, I bet we would all have varying degrees of encounters with the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that I'd, I'd say to people is, um, you, you know, Billy Graham, one of the most well-respected Christians in the last century, he did not speak in tongues. People would ask him about that, and, and he would say, well, I, you know, if God has that for me, I, I would do it. He said, but I've never experienced speaking in tongues, so no judgment on anyone who has or doesn't. And I, I, sort of, I like that. I, I appreciate that approach to, to experiencing God and, and um, addressing issues like this. So in our church, we're going to have different people believing different things around gifts of the Spirit. Here's what I'd say. Are you open to what God has for you today? Do you read this and say, that's impossible? Or do you read this with, with excitement about possibility? I would, just, I would just say, ask the Lord what he has for you and open your hands and say, God, whatever it is, if it's speaking in tongues, if it's prophecy, if it's healing, whatever you have for these hands, Put it in there and I will use it. I will use what you have for me. But this has been, this has been a huge issue in the establishment of churches. Um, what we're going to do is not avoid the conversation. We're, we're, we're going to be people that are willing to dive right in. We're going to tackle passages and, and understand that well-meaning and Bible-believing Christians land in different spaces on these areas. And there's room for you if you're, just, you're not quite sure about it. If you, are, if you believe in all the gifts and you exercise all the gifts, that's awesome and we should learn from you. But we're not going to judge anybody who's like, I'm, not, I'm just not totally sure about this. You have space here with us as we walk this out together. So what does it look like for us to be yielded to our maker? I think that's a huge question that we have to ask and answer. The prophet Joel wrote about this about 600 years before this moment of the creation of the church. Joel chapter 2, verse 28, um, and I think we have to wrestle with this. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. That sounds pretty definitive, right? I will pour out my spirit on all people. And then he continues, he says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Who will? 
your sons and daughters. Do you know what that means? Everyone. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Okay, so basically what he's saying is you might stop working one day, but God's still not done working in your life. Old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. And Acts 2 is all about the results of that. When God said, now's the time. I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit on my people and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Amen. That's powerful. He can prevail against us. The devil could beat us, but he can't beat us with the Holy Spirit. He can't win. We're guaranteed to win because of the Holy Spirit. We're empowered to do the will of God on earth, and we're reflections of his image. So what does this mean for our lives? I believe very strongly that our, our right belief around these things, as we wrestle with issues of the Holy Spirit, will help us be led to right practices. You, you can believe something uh, very strongly and you can act in that way, but if, you're, if you encounter at some point the reality that what you believe is not true, you're forced to confront those beliefs. So that's why it's really, really important for us as Christians to be grounded in the Bible. So we know what God has to say, because we can think of all sorts of things about our own lives. We can conjure up all sorts of ideas. I, I, I always think about people telling me that, well, I'm good. Like I, it, This is just an approximation of a conversation, but I've had this kind of conversation hundreds of times with people. It's usually, usually at funerals. Someone will come up to me and just say, well, I just want, thanks for the message. I just want to let you know, like, God and I are good. I was like, oh, Okay, well, that's great. So what do you mean by that? Well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't go to church. I don't really pray, but I'm very spiritual. And, you know, I, I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I was hurt in a church one time, so I didn't go back. Well, that's, that happens. I, 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 I can hear that. Okay, but, uh, you know, I, I, I really, I just go out and I hang out in trees. <laughs> hang out in trees. Really, I've had people say this to me before. Like literally, they're just like, "Yeah, I just, I just really like practice grounding. Just sit, I just sit on the, I just sit on the dirt and I absorb vitamin D a lot outside. So I, I'm not depressed. And I'm just like, what in the world does this have to do with anything spiritual? And I'm like, I'm all for going outside. That's great. Go for a run, exercise outside, get vitamin D, use sunscreen or don't. Whatever, like whatever your view is on these things. Like I, I get that. But, but I feel like when I hear people share things like that, they're talking about a God that they've created in their own image rather than worshiping a God that's beyond them, that, that, that they recognize that they don't recognize yet that God made them in his image, but they're trying to worship a God that they, of their own creation. And God clearly is far too large for that, Right? Right? These are, these are really important things. So in these 13 verses, there's huge life application for us if we'll grab a hold of it. Here's the first uh, life application I believe that we can grab a hold of today. No, no arguments around this, okay? Practicing obedience to God through meeting together creates fertile ground for the movement of God in our lives. I'm going to say, I'll say that one more time for you note takers. Practicing obedience to God through meeting together creates fertile ground for the movement of God in our lives. So some of you are like, yeah, we're here. <laughs> you are, and that's awesome. God, for whatever reason, God wants us to do life with other Christians. And I say for whatever reason, kind of tongue-in-cheek, I, I, I know the reason, but I also know reasons that, that sort of pull me away from wanting to do that over, over the course of my life. And I bet you have those same things where you're like, I'm not sure that I really want to do that. I'm not sure I feel safe doing that. I'm not sure I like doing that. I don't like the, this person or that person or this person or that person. And I don't want to go. Well, you can choose not to go, but I can tell you this, and I'm not, this is not shaming anyone to, to go to a particular church, but I can tell you this. I have never seen someone practice their faith in a way that looks remotely biblical when they're separated from God's people. Haven't, I haven't seen it. We become easy targets for the devil to separate us, remove us, from, remove us from other people, and all of a sudden we start believing things that we said we would never, ever, ever believe in. Because alone, 
we, our, our fire for the Lord burns out. When we are together, it's sort of like coals coming together to create a beautiful fire. Without, without being together, things happen. Um, and, and they're not good things, and they're not biblical things. So this is essential for us to get right in our lives. I want to be very clear, though, that be, being obedient to God doesn't save us from anything. It's not our obedience that saves us. It's not like, oh, well, I, I wasn't going to save you, but then you were obedient, so I decided to save you. Your salvation is not conditional on anything that you do. It's all, it's all on his character. But here's what it does. So, so you're like, well, then I'm not going to be obedient because I'm, if I'm saved, then I should just not be obedient. Well, here's the thing. I understand that. I've, I've definitely thought that in moments in my life too, trust me. But here's the thing. God will take you to new levels through your obedience. He'll reveal new things to you in your obedience. You'll get new freedoms in your obedience. He'll, he'll, he'll like take off shackles and chains from you as you are more and more obedient in your life. Uh, listen, I, I know that the parenting analogy is kind of tired because we, we can use that in church a lot, but I really do believe it. Listen, good parents never look at their kids and say, well, I will love you less when you're disobedient. Right? I think even if, we, even if you felt like you love your kids less when they're being disobedient, I think we've all wrestled with that before. But in reality, you don't love your kids less when they're disobedient. But you do want to do more for them and enter into a space with them when they are obedient. Am I right? And all the parents said? Yeah. Right? It's true. We want to be closer to our kids when they're obedient. We want to do more things. We're more favorably disposed towards them when they are obedient. And God's the same way. We want to bless the ones who are obedient more. We do. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 16, God spoke through Moses and he said, For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. God wants us to be obedient. He wants to be close to us. He wants that connection with us. Jesus said something very similar in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. He said, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is one of my favorite passages because it, it's counterintuitive. It makes me sort of wrestle because Jesus is saying, um, if you hold to my teaching before you understand the result. Isn't that a tough one? We're like, no, we are evidence-based people. We, we believe in science. You've heard people say that a lot to kind of slander others, and it's like, oh my gosh, people, chill. Jesus is saying, listen, if you trust me, I'm going to show you what's true. Whoa. And you're like, no, if you show me what's true, then I'll trust you. He's like, nope, you're going to have to take a step of faith. And he will show you more the more obedient you are to him. And then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. I am so thankful that we can look back and see disciples. They did it imperfectly, but they still did it. They were willing to be obedient before they understood exactly what Jesus was doing and what he meant. And they were set free for it. It's also really important for us to take note of, of how God sent the Holy Spirit. He did not send the Holy Spirit to individuals as they were doing their morning devotionals. Okay? Nothing wrong with morning devotionals. Not attacking those at all. Those are good things. But for a lot of us, that's a safer feeling space than regularly gathering with God's people. For some reason, God wanted the people to be together. He sent the Holy Spirit to a group of gathered believers. And that is good. Some of you are awesome at that. So, so, some of us are awesome at it. Some of us aren't so awesome at this. Where, For whatever reason, we have sort of removed ourselves and then we're still asking and expecting God to do something when it's not really the order of the way he typically operates. So if he, is, if, if he wants you to gather and that's where he pours his spirit out, we should take note of that. And we should say, Lord, help us, whatever, help whatever it is to get out of our way so that we can receive your spirit just like they did in Acts chapter 2. This is uh, it's, it's a challenging thing, isn't it? Um, now, here's the thing. 
Um, in, this, in this second chapter of Acts, we're, we're talking about not just being together, but we're talking about serving together. We're talking about working out life's problems together in Jesus' name. We're talking about meeting together at times that are inopportune for us. Have you ever been bothered by a a, a ministry need? Has has someone ever called you and said, hey, can you pray for me at this time? And you're just like, gosh, I mean, I could do it tomorrow morning at 10, but I'm about to have dinner with my family. Have you ever been disturbed? Like the needs that people have and your needs, they don't follow a schedule, do they? Like they're out of, they're, they're out of, a lot of times they throw us out of our rhythm. But the Holy Spirit shows up. Uh, we, we just talked, we had an elders meeting last week, and, and we'll talk about how God is moving in our lives. We'll talk about meeting with people in the congregation. They are never convenient times when people need us. But will you say, will you say yes? I guarantee you this, when you say yes, God shows up. He shows up for you and he shows up for the person that you're ministering to. And almost every time the person who chose to show up feels as though God met them in a special way that was specific to their need and their heart as well. It's powerful. So so these are the kinds of meetings together. This isn't just people sitting in a room. These are people actively actively seeking the Lord and, and, and meeting with each other and getting to know each other and carrying each other's burdens and studying the word together. When we do these things, God just tends to show up in supernatural ways because he's proud of his people. This power is rarely experienced in your own personal vacuum. It's just rarely experienced. It's just the way it is. You can read the Bible all day long, and you can pray alone all day long. You can watch the best sermons in the world. You can go online and watch any church's sermons. You can follow their worship, and you can say, man, that's really good stuff. Great. You can listen to the best worship music at the trendiest churches all over the world, and you can still miss out on what God wants to do in you and through you in the local expression of his church. Listen to what King David said about the the importance of coming together. Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3. He says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon was falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Now David was inspired to write this psalm as the Jews went up the hill to worship together at the temple. Don't miss what he's saying here. What he's saying here is that God smiles when his people gather together. He's looking at this gathering and he just wants you to know he's proud of you. He's He's thankful that you took time to be here as his people united in pursuit of him. When we do that and we're practicing love for God and each other, David equates that to being anointed by, by, by the Holy Spirit. The oil, oil in the Bible is always a picture of the Holy Spirit. And do you notice that it, it started on his head, went into his beard? I don't have a beard right now, but like just picture Steve. <laughs> all through his hair, it's like, it's, all, it's like all messy and like he's just saying, I'm just giving it all to you. I, I, just, I just love you, so I'm pouring it out on you. And he's saying that Holy Spirit is just like that. It's an anointing by God. When we come together in his name, he is there, and there is life, and there is blessing. So how much life do you want to have in this place? How much life do you want? Are you satisfied with what you have now? If you say you want a lot of life, but you aren't gathering regularly with people, do you really want it? The author of Hebrews, um, in chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, he said, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I don't know about you, but I don't receive spurring from people that I'm not around regularly. Do you? If a stranger walks up to you at Walmart and says, Well, how's your church attendance going? You're going to be like, Dude, I don't know who you are. And if you hand me a rose, I'm out of here. Like, it's, it's weird, right? Like, you have to have, like, a certain connection. There's a, there's a cult in the area that does that, and they speak about Mother God. 
But, but here's the thing. If you know people and you know that they love you and are for you, will you receive their correction or their admonishing? I'm sure way more likely to, to hear from one of you than I am from, from someone at a different church. I, if someone from community reached out to me and said, Neil, I need to talk to you about a few things. Well, I mean, we haven't really done life together. But if one of you reaches out to me to say, hey, this is what I've noticed. Would you, can we talk about this? I'm way, I, I might feel defensive inside, but I'm way more likely to listen to you than I am to someone that I don't do any life with. Does that make sense? So this is the, this is the spurring one, or, one another along. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. It's really simple. When we are left to our own devices, we tend to fall away from God and his things. You'll never meet someone. I really do believe this. I know this sounds so, like, so concrete. I really believe that you will never meet someone who is living out a spirit-led life when they aren't regularly in community with other believers. I'm not, not saying there's one church you have to go to. I, I'm not saying that there are even some people that meet in churches that don't look traditional. But if you are not around people who are believers, you are not going to live out a spirit-led life. So what is your next step to grow in community? What is it? I really want you to think about that. The wholeness that the Holy Spirit wants for you will not come to you alone. Here's our second takeaway today. Holy Spirit-led people are willing to show the Spirit living in them. Holy Spirit-led people are willing to show the Spirit living in them. I'm 100% convinced that no matter how much God pours out His Holy Spirit on all of us, we still have to decide if we're going to be willing vessels or not. He's promised that he's doing this in the last days. Guys, the last days is after Jesus. It's not some cryptic sounding thing. Everything after Jesus coming to this earth and going back up to heaven is considered the last days. So we're in the last segment of history, no matter how long that is. Okay, so God has poured out his Holy Spirit on his church. He has done that. But are you willing personally to be his vessel? Are you? That's for each of you to answer. I can think of so many times, so many times, I can't even tell you how many, it's embarrassing. So many times that I, I, I've sensed, like I, I say sensed, and, and I realize in hindsight that it was the Lord putting someone on my heart. When I say that, I don't mean that he verbally spoke something to me, but someone just keeps popping up in my head. You ever have that? Where you just, there, there's some person and you might not even know why that person's popping up in your head, but they just keep popping up. I'm, I'm often really bad at ignoring that. <clears throat> I'll think of the same person over and over and over again. <clears throat> and many times I'll just be like, oh, I wonder why I thought that. I, I'll just sort of ignore it. I, now I'm learning to not do that as much, but it is for one reason or another, I will ignore that. But here's, here's what I've challenged myself to do. When that happens to me now, I just dare to reach out to that person. I'm just like, Lord, I'm thinking that you're probably bringing this to my mind. And I can tell you this, every single time, and I mean every single time, that I have dared to step out and reach out to someone that has just happened to pop into my mind, I find out later from them that I reached out to them at just the right time because of something they were going through or something that I was going for that I going through that I needed to hear about from them. Isn't that incredible? It makes me wonder how many times have I not done that that God had something for me or something for that person. Yeah. And I want all of you to be asking that same thing because I'm not unique here because the Holy Spirit is poured out on me and on Steve and on every single person in here who claims the salvation of Jesus Christ. So think about those moments. Have you had moments that, that you think, I don't know why I keep thinking of this person. Let me just ask you, next time that happens, this week it's going to happen to you. The next time that happens, reach out to that person and just say, hey, I cannot get, you just keep popping up in my head. You don't have to create a spiritual moment if it's not there. But just say, Lord, I think maybe you're asking me to reach out to this person and just dare to do it. I promise you, you're going to have a moment that you're like, I cannot even believe that I ignored those other times that I had that thought. 
And once you have that moment, you kind of get this like excitement about, oh my gosh, God is doing something all the time. It's just now I'm starting to open my eyes and participate with him. But I've ignored that so many times and I don't want to do it anymore. The Apostle Paul uh, wrote about this in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, talking about taking advantage of every opportunity. He says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, he's speaking about doctrine and reason for your, the, the, the faith that you have in Jesus, but the reality is <clears throat> we have moments all the time that God wants us to respond to. And he has people that he wants us to love. <clears throat> Peter wrote something similar. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. He said, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You know where that doesn't happen? Facebook. <clears throat> Never hijack someone's thread and, and decide that's the point that you need to tell them all about Jesus because they're not going to receive you well and everyone's going to be like, don't let that person in the Facebook group. Okay? We know this, though. If the apostles had not opened their mouths to speak, and they didn't have to, then the unbelieving crowd would have never even had the chance to ask the question. I want you to really think about that. Yeah. God poured out his spirit on that crowd. Did they have to talk? No. You don't have to do any good thing. You can take all the blessings that you have and squander it and use it for yourself. You have that choice. I have that choice. God's inviting us to, to live in an open-handed way and, and, and allow our hands to be conduits of the blessing that he has. But he's not going to make you do it. He's not going to make you do it with your money. He's not going to make you do it with your time. He's not going to make you do it with listening. He's not going to make you do it with speaking. He can give you all these gifts and you can just say, Ha, I finally have these things that I can use for myself. I'll build bigger barns so I can store more corn, whatever. You know, it's like, no, he wants you to use what you have as a blessing. But the, if the apostles hadn't opened their mouths to speak, the crowd never would have even been able to ask the question. God wants to partner with us to reach his people. And something else that I'd say is don't, don't get overly religious sounding. Sometimes I think when we talk to people uh, about God, like outside of the faith, we feel like we have to say certain words or we put on a church voice when we talk to them. Have you ever noticed that? Like people all of a sudden, it's like they, they don't even read the King James, but suddenly they're trying to like fit in these and those. And I'm like, no one talks like that. You don't have to do that. Just be who you are, the person that God made you to be. <laughs> to reach the people that he has surrounded you with because you are uniquely positioned by God to do just that. Isn't that an amazing thing? He didn't make an, he, it wasn't an accident that he put you where you are. Let's get tangible here for a second. A couple of years ago, I remember I went to the gym and, and I ran into a guy that I'd run into the week before and I'd spotted him on some exercise. It was bench press that he was doing. So I saw him the next week <clears throat> And I just assumed that he was going to need another spot. I saw him sort of look over at me. It's sort of like a gym bro code or something. Like you just sort of like, no, yeah, I'll be whatever. I was just finishing doing curls and I literally couldn't feel my arms. I walked over to him and I said, hey, I said, hey, give me about 15 seconds because I need blood flow in my arms to lift that off you if you get stuck. And he just goes, take all the time you need. So I, I walked away for a second, got a drink, and I walked back. And as as he was lifting, I did have to, to pull it off of him. And I, I just said something that was so, I, I don't know why I said it, but I just, I just said um, something to the effect of, uh, there's a reason that air traffic controllers aren't allowed to uh, go on strike because they're so important. You need them, right? Right, Joe? <laughs> air traffic controllers are needed. <laughs> He's an air traffic controller. There's a reason. And I said that because... I, I, I was equating it with me lifting this off. Like, you don't take time off. With some, if someone's stuck trying to bench press, like, you don't, you don't need any excuses. You need that person to be ready and present and have blood flow in their arms. So I, that was a weird thing for me to, like, say to this guy. And he looked at me weird when he got up from the bench. And I didn't know why. I'm just like, well, that, 
that was kind of stupid. Why did I say that? So I walked over and I kept working out. And the next thing I know, this guy comes over by me and he, he mentioned something about the agency. And I'm like, oh, agency, are, are you like a, an insurance agent? He goes, no, I'm an air traffic controller. <laughs> and I go, really? He goes, didn't I tell you that before? And I'm like, absolutely not. And then he just had this like, Like, he had this weird look in his face. Like, he literally looked at me like, this guy's a psychic. But, but here's, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Very regularly, before I go to the gym, before I go to Thornton's, before I go anywhere, I'll just say, Lord, whoever you want me to encounter, help me to encounter them in the way that you want. Spirit, just work through me. Show, show, me, show me a moment that you have for me and the person that you want me to encounter. And I knew right then, I was just like, I don't know where this is all going to go, but I know this guy's really curious about, about what I just said to him. <clears throat> and we had more conversations after that. So I'm guessing you guys have all had moments that you can look at, look at and say that God ordained it. You just knew it. I, I don't, have an, I, I don't have a huge next conversation with this guy, but I knew in that moment, like there's some, God wanted him to be seen. He wanted, to, he wanted me to experience this guy and him to experience me. But the Holy Spirit, he knows what he wants to do in people. He knows what he wants to do in you and, and in me. But he gives, us, he gives us the freedom to say yes to it or to say no. Here's our final point today. If we are Holy Spirit-led, we will speak the language of the people. If we are Holy Spirit-led, we will speak the language of the people. When the Holy Spirit fell on, on this crowd, on the disciples, what happened? They spoke in other languages, right? Th that was one expression of speaking in tongues. The, they spoke in languages that they had never studied before. Um, th these were... These were backwoodsy, uneducated people, and everybody was surprised that suddenly they knew all these languages. They didn't have Duolingo. They didn't have Rosetta Stone. They didn't have any of these ways to study languages, yet all of a sudden they knew these languages. And everyone was like, no, not these people. These people, they don't have education. There's no way they could know this. So they knew because of the people not being educated that they must have gotten it from somewhere else. I want to encourage everybody here, though, not to get caught up in the language part. Don't get caught up in the language part. The point was that God was pursuing the hearts of people that were far from him. Does that make sense? You can speak in tongues all day long. And if you're not ministering to the people that God has put in your path, it's a useless gift to you. He was pursuing people that were far from him. Listen, anything God gives you, it's not for you to hold on tightly. It's always for you to live in an open-handed and generous way. It's used to bless others. That's the principle that God first taught Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Blessed to be a blessing. It's the same for us today. So because the Holy Spirit of God lives in us as Christians, we should always be looking closely to see how God wants us to speak to those around us. Because he has words and life and truth that he wants to speak to those around you. Instead of trying to get them to listen to us, why, why as Christians do we take time to try to get the culture to follow us when they don't know the one that we follow? We need to invite them to follow him and allow the Spirit of God to move in their hearts and bring his conviction to them. We should never try to force spiritual conversations on people. I'm really guilty of that. I, I did that so much as a new believer. I was so excited about becoming a Christian. And I'd always have conversations. I, in the checkout line, I'd have the most ridiculous conversations where I'd just be like, I don't know, I, I'm not going to even make it up, but just so many ways that I would force spiritual conversations. And I've realized as I grow older that God was pleased with my zeal, but he wanted me to have wisdom. 
So let's ask God for wisdom so that we don't, we, we don't say things out of turn. We, Jesus didn't try to knock all the doors down, and he didn't say everything at once. Sometimes he healed people. Sometimes he went and took a nap. Sometimes he, brought, he said words that brought conviction. Other times he left entire towns. We need to be filled with that same wisdom that Jesus had so we can follow him fully. So how do we learn to speak the language of the people that we're around? Well, we have to know them. We have to be around them. We have to take time with them. We see what motivates them, and then we show them with our lives the love that the Holy Spirit has given us. I, w- I want to invite you guys to come back up as we prepare to close. <clears throat> One of my very favorite examples, very favorite examples of this is Brandy's Grandma Judy. She lives in Evansville, Indiana, and I've never seen anyone love the people around her more intentionally. Never. She just loves people so well. She doesn't do it in a super religious way. She's very clear about her faith and she loves the Lord and everyone who's around her knows it. Years ago, when Brandy's little sister Whitney went to uh, uh, University of Southern Indiana, which is in Evansville, she lived... uh, she lived in a dorm, and then she'd bring all of her friends over to Grandma Judy's house once or twice a week. And all of those friends to this day call Grandma Judy, Grandma Judy, because she took time with them. She was unhurried with them. She let them talk about the things that were on their hearts. And she did their laundry, and she stayed up late with them. She helped carry their burdens, and she talked to them about how to live. All these years later, Whitney is now 35. All of her friends that are, that are 35 that still live in that area, they still go over and have nights with Grandma Judy, with their kids. And their kids call her Grandma Judy, too. Grandma Judy loves people so well And she reflects the glory of God in such a pure way to every single person that she encounters by doing laundry and showing up. The results are up to God. And I promise you, there are a whole lot of young women today that will be in the kingdom of heaven because of the faithfulness of Grandma Judy. The results are in God's hands when they encounter a spirit-led person. Some will ask more questions, some will ignore you, and some will accuse you of being drunk. And it's okay. Leave the results in his hands. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it talks about how our lives are to be characterized. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What would happen each day if we said, Lord, I want the fruit of your spirit to be evident in my life? What do you think he would do? What, What do you think he would do with that, with a yielded heart, with a yielded life? The Holy Spirit is promised to everyone who chooses to follow Jesus with their lives. And if you've never chosen to do that, I believe most of you in here have, but if you, if you haven't chosen to do that, Acts 2.38 is the simplest way that tells you how to do it. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is not an act for you to do, but it's just an obedience. It's a person for you to follow and say, Jesus, I can't do it by myself. I throw myself on your mercy and I receive all of your goodness and your salvation and and the renovation that you're going to do in me and through me. It's just simply responding to his grace and favor. But maybe you're here today and you just need more of God. You're not sure what to do with the Holy Spirit. If that's you, I I actually would just love it if everybody would just stand up. If, If you're able, please stand.
And I just, I, I want you in your own words to take a little bit of time. Maybe there's something heavy in your heart today and you just want to, you want to pray for that. Or maybe today you, you just know, I believe God has something more for me and I either haven't received it or I haven't opened up the gift. May today be that day for you. Today is the day that we have. So can we all just close our eyes and just in our own way, just say, Lord, come. Holy Spirit, just come. Lord, we we put our hands out before you. It's a reflection of our hearts that are open to you. I pray for every single one of us, God, that if there are more gifts that you have for us, that you would just give them now. We just ask you to come. Whatever gifts those are, even if they're different than what uh, traditions that we've grown up in in churches, Lord, we, we just ask you to strip all of denominational baggage away from us. And we just call on you, the creator of all things, the giver of all good things, the giver of your Holy Spirit, to just come and give us every gift that you have for us. We call on your name. If any of you just have something particular on your heart as, as, we, as you're hearing from the Lord and you sort of want to unpack that with someone or if you want to pray, if there's someone around you that, that you're comfortable um, praying with, please, please do that if they're comfortable with it too. And if you want extra prayer, you just say, like, you know, I just want to come up. I want to come up front and just sort of engage some of these things that are on my heart. I invite you to do that as well. We're just going to take the next handful of minutes and we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to do what he did in the book of Acts. God, just come. Maybe you're, maybe you're here today and you're just, just believing that God has healing for you. If that's you, I'm just asking you to just, just come up and be prayed for Father, have your way here today. Touch each and every person here. We thank you for the gift of salvation. God, we thank you for all of the evidences of your spirit moving and alive in this place. If there is a gift that you have for us that we have not used yet, Lord, I just pray that you'd bring it. You'd bring it and you'd confirm it through others. God, we thank you that you like to move in spaces like this. Help us not to hold anything back from you. You are good and you can be trusted. God, we know it is good to wait on you. So we do that. 